First Corinthians chapter nine, please, and um, and in verse, uh, I'm going to read verse sixteen through verse uh, twenty-five. The Bible says, "For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for of necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me." What is my reward then? Verily that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without change, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. Amen. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, and I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without the law as without law, be not without the law to, Christ, to, uh, to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without the law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might gain the weak. I made, uh, I made, I'm sorry, I made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Knowing not that they which run the race run all, but when receiveth the prize, so run that he may obtain. And every, one, every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Asking the Lord to, to lead me tonight. The Lord confirmed, as I spoke to Pastor Wilkerson today, about your friend day this coming Sunday. We've had many friend days back in Mexico also, and we've seen hundreds and hundreds of people saved on our friends day. One time we had 500 adult visitors on our friend day, and uh, we saw the, the Spirit of God just come down, and most of them were saved that day. But praise the Lord for the privilege of preaching the gospel. Amen. And I want to speak to you tonight very briefly, uh, truths that you already know, but it's so good to be reminded. I'm going to talk on this subject, what motivated Paul to win souls. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for what we heard. Oh God, may we continue to walk the old path and preach the word of God and preach the gospel and stay faithful to doctrine, to convictions. And Lord, thank you for what you've done in my heart and thank you for this church. And I pray that you should bless their friend day as they would seek to see hundreds and hundreds of people come to know Christ. Amen. Lord, bless this message. Use it to be a blessing. Thank you for your goodness. Amen. You may be seated. In this chapter of 1 Corinthians 9, Paul is teaching the church of Corinth that it is biblical and that it is right to take care of the needs of those that preach the gospel, those that preach the gospel, should live by the gospel. That those who serve the Lord, who are servants of God, pastors, evangelists, missionaries, um, they should be financially supported by the church. However, Paul, as he taught this truth, told them that he had written these things not for his sake, that he gloried in preaching freely the gospel. Then Paul proceeds to, to give reasons why he preached the gospel, why he was a soul winner. First of all, please look with me in verse 16. 
Paul said, for though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. Look at the phrase, for necessity is laid upon me, yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. We're talking about the gospel. It's not just the good, just good news. It is the good news that Christ died on the cross of Calvary for our sins, that he paid the penalty for our sins, that he died and he was buried. And third day, he rose from the dead. The gospel, the power of God unto salvation. And Paul says that of necessity, uh, now, necessity, that word necessity is the same word we find there in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and in verse 14. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 14, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one die all for all, then we were all dead. The love of Christ constraineth us. The word constrain uh, means a strong weight upon him a strong weight paul uh brother and sister preached the gospel he he won souls because he had a personal need he had a genuine burden necessity he said is laid upon me he had a personal need he had a genuine burden to preach the gospel eight years ago in the month of June, our son Aaron, our, our oldest son, went to heaven. And the night we had the funeral at our church, um, as I came in, I looked at the crowd, and I had uh, dozens and dozens of uh, cousins and aunts and uncles that were not saved. Many of them I had tried to give the gospel, and they had rejected it, and some had gotten saved, and some were coming to church. But dozens of my cousins and uncles that were not saved were at the funeral. My wife and I sat there with our daughters, and, uh, and Brother Rocha, which is my associate pastor, he, he, he preached the funeral that night, and, and, and he wanted to be a blessing and console my wife and my daughters and myself. And, and I'll never forget his heart and the message that he preached, but he didn't preach the gospel. And as I, as I sat there and as he was finishing the service, uh, I was thinking about my relatives. And, 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 I, and I walked up to the front and I said, Brother Rocha, I need a word. He said, Brother Ramos, go ahead. And I told him, my son Aaron, he's in heaven. He said, I told him, I'm, I'm hurt, we're broken, but he's in heaven. I'll see him again. But some of you here, when you die, you'll not go to heaven. And I preached the gospel. Because I had a weight, and, I, and, and I, believe me, I'm not all I should be. But I, I, when I read this verse uh, a couple years later, I remembered that, that necessity. I had to stand up. I had to tell him that, that there's a Savior. I had to tell him that it was not, it's not by works, it's of grace. And that Christ paid the penalty. And there was a, a desire and a weight. And that's that weight, that necessity, that burden should be something that we all Christians carry. Of necessity. He had to preach the gospel. He had a genuine burden. But then he said there in verse 16, For necessity is laid upon me, yea, woe is unto me. What an incredible phrase. Woe is unto me. 
He says, if I preach not the gospel, Paul felt a very deep depth. Debt. He says, how can I not preach the gospel? After all that Christ has done for me, being a blasphemer, persecuting the church of Christ. And, and Paul never forgot from where the Lord, Lord saved him and, and by grace called him. And, 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 and that's why Paul says, how can, I, uh, uh, how can I not preach the gospel? Woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. That's why Paul there in Romans chapter 1, uh, verses that we know very well in Romans chapter 1, he, he said this, in verse 13, now I will not have you ignorant brethren that oftentimes I purpose to come to, purpose to, come to you but was let hitherto that I might have some fruit among you also even as among other Gentiles. I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians both to the wise and to the unwise so as much as is in me I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to one that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek oh Paul said woe is me I, I owe a debt first of all to my Lord and Savior though he was rich he became poor that who through his poverty we might be made rich yes read a story many many years ago of a man in the Indian heritage here in the United States. And when he got saved, his life turned around. He had been a drunk, been an adulterer. And, um, and a few weeks after he got saved, when he arrived uh, and he worked at a, at a factory, he, he, had, he literally he had a, almost a, a, a suitcase. He walked into the, the factory, and, uh, and the security guard said, what are you doing with that suitcase? And he went up, he went, he said, I want to go see the bosses. He went to the bosses. He says, I want to return everything I've stolen in the last couple of years. Got saved. Some of you guys should do that this coming day, but well. Um, and, uh, and that sounded throughout the whole factory. And then he began to witness to all of his, all of his, co-laborers and he would sing the hymns and sing the courses that he'd be learning and when he walked into the, 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 the break room he'd sit down people would scatter because he'd always given the gospel so for several months of that after after a shift he walked out and there was about a dozen men waiting for him as he left as when he walked out of the factory and they gathered around him and they were mad they said you know what you need to shut your mouth we want to hear no more of your preaching Christ to us. And, 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 and they, were, they threatened to, to hurt him. And, and they, as he looked up to them, he says, I'm sorry, you can do what you want to do to me, but I'm not going to stop preaching Christ. And, 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 but they, and they kept arguing and kept telling him. And, and as he was looking around, he saw a, a, a patch of grass and, and it had been raining. And, and he looked over and he saw a worm. This is a true story. And he grabbed the worm and, 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 he, and he put on, on there on the sidewalk and he found a stick and he, he, he broke the stick into, and made a circle and put the worm inside the, in the middle of the, the circle. And then he asked one of the men for some matches or, or a lighter and he lit, the, the, lit the, the, uh, the sticks with fire. And as the worm squirmed, he, 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 the worm did this and he kneeled 
and he took that worm out of that fire and he says, I cannot stop talking about Christ because I was that worm. He saved me from hell. See, we have gotten so used to our salvation. That's the truth. That's what we need in revival. We've left our first love. And Paul said, of necessity, he said, I, I, I have a burden and I owe a debt. Woe is me if I not preach the gospel. What, I, what else motivated Paul to preach the gospel, to win souls? Look with me, please, in verse 17, 1 Corinthians 9, 17. He said, for if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel, look at the phrase, is committed unto me. Paul says, I understand that I've been given a commission. I have been given a command. That's why Paul won souls. He understood the command. Jesus said there in Matthew chapter 28, Matthew 28, and in verse 18, the Bible says in, in, there in Matthew 28, in verse 18, <clears throat> Jesus said, and it says, and Jesus came, unto, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you all, we even unto the end of the world. We have a command. Pastor of a Baptist church got under conviction because he, he began to understand he had a responsibility to win souls. So he said, Lord, I'm going to go win souls, but you need to lead me. I, I'm nervous. I've not done this very much. He went to a neighborhood and began to knock doors. And he met a man. When he knocked on the door, a six-foot-six man came to the door, about 240 pounds. And he began to, to invite him to church. And, and the man said, listen, sir, I don't want to hear, we, I don't want to hear you. I'm an atheist. And if you ever come to my house again, I'm going to break your nose. And he slammed the door. So the pastor, you know, kept winning souls but was discouraged and went home. The very next morning, he, the pastor again felt the need to go back to win souls. And, and as he was driving to the neighborhood, the Holy Spirit told him to go back to that same house. And, and he was arguing with God. He said, God, if I go to that house, that man's going to break my nose. But he, felt he, had, a, he had a very deep, um, the desire, he was very deeply moved to go back to that same house again. As the pastor was driving towards that house, there was an argument in the home that day. The atheist's wife was a Catholic. He was an atheist. And they were discussing whether God existed or not. And they were arguing. And the, the, the man remembered what had happened the day before. He told his wife, you know, if, there, if, there, if there's really a God, that pastor that came to the house yesterday, that, uh, I told him if he came back, I'd break his nose. If there's a God, he'll come back. And five minutes later, that Door rung, that, that, that doorbell rung. And that man went to the door and looked at the pastor and his 
mouth dropped. He said, we were expecting you. <laughs> Pastor that man to Christ, and later he became his deacon. We have a command. We have a command. In 2021, we have that command. Number three. Look with me first, and again, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Look with me, please, in verse 18. 1 Corinthians 9, 18. What is my reward then? Verily, that I preach the gospel. These, I, may take, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge, and that I abuse not my power in the gospel. Uh, Paul says, I could, ask, I could take offerings, but I'm not going to do so. I'm going to preach the gospel freely. That's what he's saying. Verse 19, for though I be free from all men, Yet I have, yet have I made myself servant unto all. Look what it says, that I, may, that I might gain the more, that I might win more. That's what it says there. Verse 20, and unto the Jews I came as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews or win the Jews. To them that are under the law as under the law, that I might gain win uh, them that are, are under the law. To them that are without law as without law. Be not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain or win them that are without law. To the weak I am become weak as weak, that I may gain the weak. I made, my, I, made, I made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Paul, number three, had a genuine desire to see people saved. He had a genuine desire. He was willing to become all things to all men in order to see them saved. He, had, he was willing to serve them. He was willing to... Do uh, you know why God has used Brother Wynn, and I'm not just saying this to say this, Brother Wynn and his wife Debbie have become Mexicanos. They have become... With, he, they have entered the culture of Mexico, and, and yes, they're North American, and yes, they're, they're, they're white, but they have become like the people that they serve. And that's why God has used them in such a great way. He's become all things tall men to win the Mexicans to Christ. That's what Hudson Taylor did. That's why he saw hundreds of thousands of people saved in, in China. Paul says, I'm willing to become a servant. I'm willing to pay a price. I'm willing to do what I have to do. Of course, Paul was not talking about, about leaving, uh, leaving um, disobeying biblical principles. Of course not. But he was saying, I'm willing to do what I need to do to see people saved. Paul had a desire to see people saved. Let me ask you something. Have you lost your desire to be used of God to win people to Christ, to see people baptized, to disciple them as they grow in grace? Have you lost your desire? Paul, look with me please in Romans chapter 9. In Romans chapter 9, the Bible says in verse 1, and this passage, believe me, every time I meditate upon it, the Holy Spirit convicts me deeply because I'm far from this, to be honest with you. But Paul said in, in Romans 9, in verse 1, Am I not an apostle? 
Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ, our Lord? Are not ye my work in the... I'm sorry, I'm reading 1 Corinthians. I'm sorry, Romans chapter 9. It's Romans chapter 9. Paul says this, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bury me witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart, for I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ, or cursed, or condemned, or damned to hell from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Paul had given himself so much to preaching the gospel, to preaching Christ, that his desire to see people saved had grown so much that he was genuinely, sincerely willing to be condemned to hell if that was for their salvation. He had the same heart that Jesus had. Paul didn't have to die. Jesus already did. Paul didn't have to be accursed. Christ was already accursed. But look, 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 look with me, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. A phrase here that just really, really just hits me. In verse 23, 1 Corinthians 9.23, And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Partaker of the gospel. Paul said, I, 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 the, the, I become part of the message, and the message has become a part of me. Yeah. That is so powerful. And so many of us, including myself, were so far from that. But Paul had a genuine desire to see people saved. Oh, that would change how we, how we knock doors. That would change uh, our, our unfaithfulness and, and, and not giving people the gospel that work with us, our neighbors. Have you witnessed to your neighbors of, of Christ? How about your co-workers? How many of you are willing to spend two or three hours a week in a neighborhood walk, knocking doors, having Bible clubs, preaching Christ. If we had a desire, we would do what we had to do to get the gospel to others. Paul understood that there was a price to be paid but he said, and I, this I do for the gospel's sake. For the gospel's sake. And yes, we need to pay a price to get the gospel, not only to our communities, but around the world. We need to pray. Amen. We need to give. We need to go. We need to send. We must, Pastor, this is a great church, and I know where I'm standing. But I know that this is a truth that you know, but I believe we need to be reminded of. Yeah. Amen. A genuine desire 
to see people saved. And lastly, look with me, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. What motivated Paul to win souls? He had a personal need. He understood he had a commandment, and he had a genuine desire to preach Christ, to see people saved. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. Paul says, Knowing not that they which run in a race burn all, but one receiveth the price, so run that ye may obtain. And everyone, every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Number four, Paul was motivated to win, to win people to Christ because of the rewards in heaven, crowns in heaven. And what are his, the crowns in heaven, some of the crowns? Look with me, First Thessalonians, please, in chapter 2. Paul was motivated to win people to Christ because he knew that in heaven, those people who won the Christ would be his crown. First Corinthians chapter 2. And in verse 19, Paul said this, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our glory and joy. We need to get our eyes out. I'm sorry. We need to get our eyes from this world and put our eyes in heaven, in the eternal, in the eternal rewards, crowns in heaven. Paul said to the Thessalonian church, you one day in heaven, when we're there with Christ, you're going to be my crown. That's what motivated Paul to win people to Christ. Crowns in heaven. Wouldn't it be a wonderful place in heaven when we can see people that we've won to Christ? Yesterday evening after the service here at the, at the church across the street, a young man named Isaac, tall young man, came to me and he said, Brother Ramos, Leo Gomez is my father. Many years ago, knocking doors in Chicago, I had the privilege of winning him and many his relatives to Christ. And he said, Pastor Ramos, he said, thank you for winning my dad to Christ. And, and he gave me his Bible. And he said, Brother Ramos, I have never asked one preacher to sign my Bible. Would you please sign my Bible? Today, today, another family came to me. He said, Brother Ramos, and he, and, he, and he opened up his phone, and he said, look at Brother Ramos, you recognize this person? I said, yes, Carmela. Yes, I wanted to Christ many years ago here in Chicago. And, and he said, they told me, we're your grandchilds, your grandchildren in Christ. She won us to Christ. Isn't it a Can you imagine what heaven's going to be like? Amen. When you have had a burden, a genuine burden, to win people to Christ. 
when you've had a genuine desire to see people saved, when you understand that we're just passing through and our, our home in heaven that awaits us and, and to be able to rejoice with, with those that you personally prayed for, you personally gave a tract to, you personally gave the gospel to, you personally saw them baptized, you personally saw their lives transformed. What a place of joy and rejoicing heaven will be. My senior year at, here at first at, at, at the Howells Anderson College, I worked in the Spanish department uh, where Pastor Elmo Fernandez was a Spanish pastor right across the street. And uh, I worked in the, in the Spanish Junior Church C, Junior Church. And we had a big day that day, and we had a hundred, hundreds of visitors, kids in a Junior Church. And they, the, 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 the director of the Junior Church asked me to speak that special day. And so I preached on Noah and the, and the ark, and I compared Christ to the ark, and, and I gave the gospel. And I, at the invitation, I had the kids come to the front, and many kids came to the front to, to trust Christ. And as I looked to the left, there was a little young boy about nine years old, ten years old, and he was, he, he was kneeling, and he was crying so much, he was actually shaken. He was shaking. And, and, and I said, that's Juventino. He used to be my first bus route which was 112 in Division 8. And I, and I ran down, and I said, Juventino, why are you crying? I said, do you need to ask Christ to save you? He said, no, Brother Lewis, I, Christ is already my Savior. I've, I've already accepted him. I said, why are you crying so much? He said, Brother Ramos, just a couple weeks ago, my dad driving back from Mexico there in Tennessee had an accident. He had a heart attack, and he died. He looked at me with tears, and he said, Brother Ramos, Brother Lewis, where's my dad? Because I talked about heaven, I talked about hell. And I looked at Juventino, and I said, Juventino, your daddy, his daddy's name was Jose, is in heaven. And he looked at me and said, how do you know? When I was a bus captain in 1112, I had the privilege of winning Maria his mother to Christ, and she started coming to church on the bus. And then I began to visit, and, and I met Jose. The first time I tried to witness to Jose, he opened up his shirt, and he had a, uh, here a, a little idol of the Virgin of Guadalupe, the Virgin of Mexico. He says, he said, I'm a devoted believer in the Virgin. And he said, I don't want to hear you. But I kept visiting their home. Every time I tried to talk to me, whenever he was there, he would just ignore me. And one evening, after finishing the bus route, uh, it was around 5.36, we were going to meet at 8 o'clock to come back to, the, come back to the college. I said, you don't have time. I'm going to see if I can witness to Jose at least this evening. So when I got to the house, I guess, I guess he lived on 21st or 22nd Street there in South Chicago. I, uh, uh, I knocked on the door, and Maria, the wife, came to the door, and I said, Maria, is Jose home? He said, yes, it's his birthday, and we're having some, some supper. Are you, are, would you like to come in? Man, I was starving. But, you know, hey, college student, man? I said, sure, I'll come in. And they were having tamales and, 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 uh, and atole, very typical Mexican dinner for birthdays. And I walked, and she sat me next to Jose. Had, and I was smart. First I ate, no, after, you know, we, we ate, you know, and, and the tamales and the champur and the, and the, and the, the atole. And I began, to, he was from Zacatecas, and I said, yeah, my dad used to sell chilies in Zacatecas, and I'd been there before, and he said, oh, you, and so we started to talk, 
And after we finished eating, I said, Jose, happy birthday, but I want to I know if, you know for sure if you died, you go to heaven. He said, no. He said, can I show you? He said, okay. How are you going to know? You can go to heaven. So he walked into the living room, but we walked up to the living room. There was in the shelf, he pulled out a big, thick Bible. It was a Guadalupana. It's a, Bible, a Catholic Bible, but it's dedicated to Guadalupe. And he said, but use this. I said, that's fun. That it has the gospel. And I took his, his Bible and I gave him the gospel. Jose trusted Christ as a savior. The next day, Jose came to church, First Baptist. And I believe, if I remember correctly, he was baptized that day. Someone that day when Juventus looked at me, he said, Brother Luis, where's my dad? I said, your dad's in heaven. He said, how do you know? I said, I won your daddy to Christ. He looked at me and he jumped on my neck. And he began to say, thank you, Brother Luis. Thank you, Brother Luis. He went to a seat happy. I remember that story often because one day in heaven, I want many people to be able to say, thank you. Amen. Thank you for coming to my street. <laughs> thank you for starting a church in this part of the city. Thank you for sending a mission into the mountains of Atalapa. Thank you for sending a missionary to Brazil, to Mozambique. Thank you for having a big day and preaching the gospel. Thank you for the Sunday school class. Listen, all of us will one day rejoice in heaven if we faithfully dedicate our lives to seeing people come to know Christ as their Savior. May the Lord bless you. I'm going to give you a wonderful Friday. I will be praying for you.